Remember more, improve your focus, and multitask better. Hum is a brain sharpener that helps you do all three. Hum's wearable boosts your working memory and will be available in late 2021. Sign up to be notified when Hum launches and to learn more about the science behind Hum at thinkhum.com. That's thinkhumm.com. Hum is designed for healthy adults and should not be used if you're pregnant, have cognitive impairment, implanted devices, or a history of seizures. The Hum patch is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. To learn more, go to thinkhum.com. Welcome to the Daily News in Brief podcast. Today is the 13th of August and this week's main story is The Chancellor has assured Britons that nobody will be left without hope or opportunity after new data from the Office for National Statistics, ONS, revealed Britain has entered its deepest recession since records began. Published on Wednesday, the ONS figures show gross domestic product GDP plunged 20.4% in the second quarter of 2020, compared with the previous three months, the largest decline since 1955. The slump was more than double the 10.6% decline recorded in the US during the second quarter and significantly surpassed the economic shrinking recorded in Germany, Italy and France. Speaking after the figures were published, Chancellor Rishi Sunak said, I've said before that hard times were ahead and today's figures confirm that hard times are here. The GDP data follows separate figures from the ONS this week, showing 730,000 jobs have been lost from company payrolls since the start of the pandemic. Published on Tuesday, the figures also revealed the number of people in work fell by 220,000 between April and June, the largest drop in over a decade. The ONS said young people, those in manual occupations and older workers had been worst hit by the crisis. The latest statistics do not include the millions of people being paid through the government's job retention scheme. With the scheme due to close in October, some economists have warned the latest employment figures represent the lull before the storm. A survey from the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development and a DECA group suggested up to a third of UK employers expect to cut jobs by the time the scheme closes. On the high street, department store chain Debenhams became the latest retailer to announce job losses this week. Despite reopening 124 of its outlets following the lifting of lockdown measures, Debenhams said trading had remained slow, prompting the retailer to scrap the roles of sales manager, visual merchandise manager and selling support manager across its stores. The cuts are expected to affect 2,500 jobs. Elsewhere, Health Minister Edward Arger has defended the government's coronavirus test and tracing scheme after it emerged the programme plans to cut 6,000 contact tracers. The Department of Health said the national system planned to cut a third of tracing roles later this month as it becomes more locally targeted. If the dedicated national team cannot make contact with a resident within a set period of time, the local public health officials can use the data provided by NHS Test and Trace to follow up. Arga has insisted the changes will strengthen an already successful system for tracing coronavirus infections and defended the programme in light of criticism from Labour, which claimed the system came nowhere near the PM's world-beating pledge. The party has also voiced concerns about the role of Serco, an outsourcing firm awarded one of the multi-million pound test and trace contracts after data showed traces were not reaching as many contacts as local officials. The call centre success rate for reaching contacts peaked at around 70% in July and has since dropped. By comparison, local public health teams working to tackle outbreaks in care homes and factories have consistently reached more than 90% of contacts. Meanwhile, the Department of Health has confirmed 1,148 new COVID-19 infections were recorded in the 24 hours to 9am on Tuesday, the highest daily caseload in nearly two months.
The latest figures show the UK's virus reproduction rate also rose slightly to an estimated range of 0.8 to 1 on Friday, up from 0.8 to 0.9 the previous week. In England, the government's scientific advisory group said it is no longer confident that the R rate remains below the crucial value of 1. Around the world, the number of global coronavirus infections has now passed 20 million, according to data collated by Johns Hopkins University. More than 5 million of these cases have been recorded in the US, with one in every 65 Americans testing positive for COVID-19. The country remains the worst affected in the world for both infections and fatalities. In Russia, Vladimir Putin has announced that a locally developed COVID-19 vaccine has received regulatory approval after less than two months of human trials. The president said officials would begin a mass vaccination program in October and claimed his daughter had already received the jab. However, Russia's vaccine is not among the World Health Organization's list of six vaccines undergoing phase three clinical trials involving extensive testing in humans, and experts have raised concerns about the speed and safety of the treatment. In the US, Health Secretary Alex Azar said he expects America will have its own vaccine ready by December. He said, the point is not to be the first. The point is to have a vaccine that is safe and effective for the American people and the people of the world. Elsewhere, Australia recorded its deadliest day of the pandemic so far on Wednesday, with 21 deaths registered in the state of Victoria. Victorian authorities said the deaths were all among people over 70, with 16 linked to outbreaks in elderly care facilities. However, new cases do appear to be falling in the state, with 410 new infections registered on Wednesday, down from 600 or more cases recorded in recent days. In New Zealand, health officials have reported 17 new cases of COVID-19 this week, after more than 100 days without any community transmission. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced mass testing and a renewed lockdown in an attempt to contain the growing cluster in Auckland, warning that the outbreak would get worse before it gets better. Meanwhile, several European leaders are also attempting to combat growing infection levels. In the Netherlands, Chief Epidemiologist Jaap van Dizel said new daily infections had now returned to roughly half their level at the peak of the pandemic. In France, Prime Minister June Castex has asked local authorities to extend orders for face masks to be worn in public after new figures show 2,000 new daily cases in the country, up from 1,000 three weeks ago. Meanwhile, in Spain, experts have warned the nation is again facing a critical situation after reporting an average daily rise of 4,923 cases during the last seven days, the worst infection rate in Europe. In UK news, teachers have spoken out against the government's last-minute decision to allow pupils to opt for their mock exam grades instead of marks awarded via off-course algorithm. Announced by the Department of Education on Wednesday, just a day before the results were due to be released, the triple lock on grades means pupils in England have been granted the right to appeal based on their mock results if they are unhappy with the estimated grades awarded via off-course algorithm. The exam regulator adopted the algorithm to replace exams cancelled in the COVID-19 pandemic. As hundreds of thousands of A-level students prepared to receive their results this morning, school leaders warned there was likely to be widespread disappointment, with some schools seeing 50% or more of teacher-assessed grades revised down. Alan Brooks, chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers, said his pupils' results had confirmed the intrinsic unfairness of off-course estimated grades. Granting students the opportunity to appeal based on their mock results would do little or nothing to address the problems, Brooks said, pointing out the wide disparity in how mock grades are reached across schools. The National Union of Students has been similarly critical of the decision, warning at risk making a mockery of the exam system. 
Union President Larissa Kennedy said there was a lack of standard approach to mock exams and warned the assessments are not taken by all pupils. Defending the decision on Wednesday, England's schools minister Nick Jibb rejected concerns the decision had triggered confusion and insisted he would apologise to nobody for finding solutions to stop students being disadvantaged. Meanwhile, in Scotland, it has been revealed that tens of thousands of school pupils will have their exam results upgraded. The announcement came after the moderation system used by the Scottish Qualifications Authority saw 125,000 estimated results downgraded, affecting around 75,000 pupils across Scotland. The downgrading prompted an outcry from students and an apology from Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, who admitted her government did not get it right. In a U-turn on Tuesday, the government said it would scrap the moderation system and instead accept teachers' estimates of pupils' scores. A passenger train derailed near Stonehaven in Aberdeenshire on Wednesday, killing three people on board. Emergency services were called to the scene at 9.43am after four passenger carriages left the track and slid down an embankment. It is understood that 12 people were on board at the time of the incident. The train driver, a conductor and a passenger were killed and six others were injured. Investigators are now working to determine the cause of the crash. A separate major incident was also declared in Fife on Wednesday after heavy rainfall triggered a landslide at a holiday park. Emergency services confirmed 28 people had been rescued following the incident and caravans had been evacuated, with more than 200 people spending the night in emergency shelters. Former Foreign Secretary David Miliband has condemned the government's plans to use the Royal Navy to push back migrants attempting to cross the Channel, warning that the bigger the wall, the more desperate the measures to get around it. His comments came after Immigration Minister Chris Philp said the dangerous crossing must be made completely unviable for migrants. Miliband, now Chief Executive of the International Rescue Committee, has warned cooler heads need to prevail if the UK is to sustain an effective and humane response to the crisis. Pierre-Henri Dumont, the National Assembly member for Calais, has similarly dismissed plans for the Royal Navy to push back migrants. What is the Navy going to do if it sees a small boat? Is it going to shoot the boat? It's a political measure to show some kind of muscle, but technically speaking, it won't change anything, he said. It follows a formal request from the Home Secretary for military assistance in tackling the problem, with Priti Patel appointing former Royal Marine Dan O'Mahony as clandestine channel threat commander. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister has said the UK must consider changes to asylum laws to deter migrants from making the crossing. Boris Johnson said it was currently too difficult to legally return migrants who cross from France and claimed the existing rules could be abused by both migrants and their lawyers. A Labour MP has accused police of racially profiling her after she was stopped while travelling in a car in East London. Former Shadow Equalities Minister Dawn Butler tweeted she had been pulled over in Hackney on Sunday afternoon and had recorded the stop. The BMW was being driven by a male friend who is also black and it was pulled over by two police cars, Butler said. The MP for Brent Central said police had to stop associating being black and driving a nice car with crime. The Met Police has defended the officers involved and claimed the stop was a mistake caused by an officer incorrectly entering the car's registration number. Stephen Lawrence's parents have vowed to challenge the Met's decision to close the investigation into their son's murder. Lawrence was murdered in a racist attack in London in 1993. An inquiry into the initial investigation revealed it had been hampered by police incompetence and institutional racism. On Tuesday, the Met said it would cease its search for at least three white suspects who were part of the gang that attacked Lawrence because all lines of inquiry had been completed. Stephen's father, Neville Lawrence, has said he plans to contact his lawyers about fighting the decision. I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. Yet again, the Met police have failed my family, he said. 
Post-Brexit trade negotiations between the UK and Japan have reportedly crumbled after International Trade Secretary Liz Truss insisted on making Stilton part of the talks. Negotiators had hoped to finalise a deal by the end of this month after reaching a broad consensus on an agreement last week. However, talks are now said to have hit a stumbling block as Truss pushes for preferential treatment for the UK's blue cheese manufacturers, while Japan wants to maintain existing quotas agreed with the EU. According to the Financial Times, Truss is hoping to secure a symbolic win on Stilton to prove the UK is able to forge better deals independently than those agreed by the EU. The mother of Harry Dunn has appealed for her son's suspected killer to face justice via video link. Dunn was killed in a road collision outside RAF Croughton in Northamptonshire last year. US national Anne Sekoulis has been charged with causing death by dangerous driving, but avoided prosecution by leaving the UK under diplomatic immunity. Charlotte Charles, Dunn's mother, has urged the government to consider a virtual trial for Sekoulis to help fulfil the promise she made to her son to bring his killer to justice. The family's local MP, Andrea Ledsom, has backed the prospect of a virtual trial with a UK court and has written to the Crown Prosecution Service and Home Secretary Priti Patel to propose the idea. Indigenous communities living at the headwaters of the Amazon have urged banks in Europe to end their funding of oil development in the region. More than half a million indigenous people live in the headwaters, which stretch across Ecuador and Peru. Community leaders have warned the expansion of oil drilling poses a risk both to them and the region's ecosystem. Their warnings follow a new report from Stand Earth Research Group and Amazon Watch, uncovering US$10 billion worth of previously undisclosed funding for oil drilling in the area. The report focused on trade finance, a grey area of bank lending which often does not fall within banks' standard sustainability targets, tracing US$10 billion of loans from 19 European banks since 2009. Elsewhere in the world, U.S. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has named California Senator Kamala Harris as his vice presidential running mate. It follows a pledge from Biden in March to name a woman on the presidential ticket. Harris is the daughter of immigrants from Jamaica and India and is the first black woman and the first Asian American to be nominated for a major party's presidential ticket. Announcing the historic decision on Twitter, Biden described Harris as a fearless fighter for the little guy and one of the country's finest public servants. She will take on Donald Trump's running mate, Vice President Mike Pence, in a debate in October, ahead of the presidential elections on the 3rd of November. Violent clashes between police and protesters broke out in cities across Belarus on Sunday after President Alexander Lukashenko claimed a landslide victory in the country's election. Lukashenko, who has ruled for 26 years, has faced claims of vote rigging after the election commission announced he'd taken 80.23% of the vote. His main rivals, Svetlana Tihanovskaya, won just 9.9%. She disputed the results, saying she considered herself the winner of the election, but later fled Belarus for Lithuania, telling her supporters she needed to protect her children. Lithuania's foreign minister, Svetihanovskaya, had been detained by Belarusian authorities for seven hours after filing a complaint against vote-rigging before crossing the border early on Tuesday morning. Meanwhile, protests have continued in Minsk and other Belarusian cities. On Wednesday, the Interior Ministry admitted live ammunition had been used against protesters by police in Bretsk in an act of self-defence. Across the country, at least two demonstrators have been killed and 200 others wounded, some seriously. More than 6,000 people have been arrested and an internet blackout was imposed for almost three days in a bid to quash the unrest. The EU has condemned Sunday's presidential vote as neither free nor fair. A Hong Kong media tycoon was arrested and his newspaper offices raided this week under the new security law imposed by Beijing. 
Jimmy Lai, who owns Apple Daily, Hong Kong's largest pro-democracy newspaper, was arrested on Monday on suspicion of foreign collusion and conspiracy to commit fraud. He was later released on bail. The police operation marks the first time the new security law has been used against the media in Hong Kong. If charged with foreign collusion, Lai could face a jail sentence of three to ten years, or up to life for an offence of a grave nature. Beirut Governor Marwan Aboud said the death toll from last week's devastating explosion has now risen to 220. The blast was caused by the detonation of 2,750 tonnes of ammonium nitrate stored unsafely in the Lebanese capital's port for six years. The government's response to the disaster and its decision to keep hazardous materials so close to the city centre has prompted widespread protests in Beirut. On Monday, Prime Minister Hassan Diab announced the resignation of the government after more than a third of ministers stepped down. In a televised speech, Diab said the explosion was a result of chronic corruption and pledged to take a step back in order to stand with the people. Twitter has reportedly approached the owner of TikTok to discuss buying its US operations. While Microsoft is considered the frontrunner to purchase the video sharing platform, reports in the Wall Street Journal indicate Twitter has also expressed an interest. It remains unclear whether Twitter can afford to buy TikTok, whose US operations have an estimated worth of tens of billions of dollars from Chinese owners ByteDance. The report follows a statement from the US president ordering American firms to stop doing business with TikTok over national security concerns. However, Donald Trump said he would support Microsoft's purchase of the company's U.S. operations if his government got a substantial portion of the proceeds. A massive cleanup operation has begun in Mauritius following a catastrophic oil spill off the country's coast. The spill was triggered after the Japanese ship MV Wakashio ran aground on a coral reef in the Indian Ocean two weeks ago. Officials have described the spill as a full-blown ecological disaster after more than 1,000 tonnes of oil leaked into the sea. Mauritian authorities confirmed on Wednesday that the remaining oil on the ship has now been pumped out. The operation was considered a race against time due to fears the ship could break apart. Our facts of the week are... Reading University researchers have found that playing football matches behind closed doors has had only a minimal impact on home advantage. After analysing almost 6,500 games played without fans before and after the coronavirus lockdown, the academics did note that in the absence of home fans, referees showed fewer yellow cards to away teams. However, the win percentage of home teams in England's Championship and Premier League dropped only slightly from 43.4% pre-pandemic to 42% once supporters were kept out of stadiums. A metal detectorist has described shaking with happiness after unearthing a horde of Bronze Age artefacts in the Scottish borders. Mariusz Stepin discovered a sword and a complete horse harness near Peebles in June. Experts said the ancient items had been well preserved by the soil and enabled them to see how Bronze Age horse harnesses were assembled for the first time. Archaeologists spent 22 days investigating the site and said the discovery was of a national significance. 66% of adults in England believe it is dangerous to cycle on the nation's roads. The statistic comes from the government's National Travel Attitudes study and has revealed that the public increasingly views road cycling as dangerous, with the figure up from 61% last year. The survey, which was conducted at the start of 2020, has been followed by new promises from the government committing £2 billion to the improvement of cycling and walking infrastructure and the creation of protected bike lanes. 
And finally, Dwayne The Rock Johnson at an enormous 87.5 million US dollars between June 2019 and June 2020, according to Forbes magazine, making him the world's highest paid male actor for the second year in a row. The former wrestler's earnings included a payment of 23.5 million US dollars for upcoming Netflix thriller Red Notice and earnings from his fitness clothing line Project Rock. Ryan Reynolds, who will also star alongside Johnson in Red Notice, was the second highest paid actor, collecting earnings of 71.5 million US dollars. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.